but yeah, we could have, we could say, no, like we want to put on the market and we want to see if we can get the price bid up, you know, and make a huge profit on it. And you're just going to have to be one of the people who bids on it. Hmm. No, because we've, we're foregoing that because we have this relationship with her. We love her. We love her family. And um, yeah, and we want her to have the house, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we might be, you know, who knows? It might be 10,000, 5,000, something like that, that we might be missing out on potentially, but it doesn't matter to us. You're listening to the Blue Collar Money Podcast, theories of middle-class investing. I am your host, P.W. Gopal, performance coach and entrepreneur. And along with the Blue Collar Money team, we want to say thank you for taking the time to join us today. Our goal is to help you get your hands dirty, get you unstuck, and help you live out your best financial story. Hey folks, welcome back to Blue Collar Money. This is episode 92, and we are talking today about how the kingdom of God dictates how we do business and uh, how we generate profits. It was sparked by um, a tweet that I saw. Um, somebody was retweeting something they saw on Dave Ramsey's show where Dave was asked if it was unethical to raise rents on renters knowing that it would cause hardship. And um, they only played part of the clip, part of his explanation, which didn't put him in a good light. Um, so I went and found... Um, Actually, my my catch um, found the longer episode and sent it to me, and so I watched it. And you know, and I, I understand his explanation, but I, I felt like it it deserved um, greater conversation. So I asked um, the co-founder Blue Collar Money, my catch, to come back on and uh, and to just have a conversation with me just about what Scripture says um, about transactions and generosity and profit and uh and basic stewardship so that's what this conversation is about i hope that it blesses you i hope that it causes you to stop and consider um how you are conducting your business um, there's many listeners here that are real estate investors and so this is a uh, poignant conversation um and something we need to really take before the Lord. I don't think there are great answers for this uh, unless the individual goes to God and and listens and then tests everything with Scripture. Uh, if, this is your, if you're new to the podcast, just want to say welcome. This is Blue Collar Money. We talk about things um, that reflect God's kingdom. As followers of Jesus, we want to be faithful stewards of what he has given us. Um, we want to provide value for people in our communities. Um, we want to be risk averse and, uh, and obviously, um, great stewards, uh, of what God has given us. This is, um, we've had some troubling news in the past day. I'm actually, rec I always record the intro after we record the episode so I can go back and do bios and whatnot. And, uh, so Mike and I recorded this on Monday and that day we ended up driving to Charlotte, my, my family and I, Mike was just visiting, um, for the weekend and got to spend some time with him. But, um, we left, he, he left Monday and we left Monday for Charlotte. 
um, because my daughter had her motility test. For those of you who've been following along with our family, uh, my daughter's colon shut off from some crazy circumstances a couple years ago and when she was three, and she's five years old now. And so they sent us home a year ago for rest um, because uh, her last motility test showed considerable weakness in her colon. Uh, it was too weak to do con- reconstruction, so uh, they sent us home for this next test, which we did on Tuesday morning and uh, yesterday. So we're uh, it wasn't the greatest news. The doctor is recommending that um, 50% of her colon be taken out, and the recovery process for that is going to be pretty brutal. She's five years old. Um, she's very aware of what's going on. She has significant PTSD from the last few years. Uh, being in and out of the hospital and so uh, we as a family are going to just we're just going to take a break and figure out what's going on so I just want to apologize up front that I'm not going to be putting out consistent episodes until um, our family is able to um, just be with each other rest be present um, pray and be with our our uh, community our family and uh, just make some decisions about what's next. She's going to have to go back and have this corrective surgery and, you know, be in the hospital for one to three weeks or more, depending on how her body does. And um, we are really praying for a full recovery for her. She is, uh, she's just the sweetest little girl. Um, so that is, that weighs on our family heavily. We'd appreciate your prayers. Um, that said, I don't haven't made any decisions yet um, about what's going to happen to blue collar money because, you know, we don't really know what our life's going to be like for the next six months to a year um, as of uh, yesterday afternoon. So uh, I will do my best to continue the podcast, to continue to find um, people to weigh in on this conversation um, about middle class investing and specifically for those folks that are followers of Jesus, what does it look like uh, to be a biblical steward? Um, Man, I've put the last 10, 12 years into learning this myself, and I know that there's people out there that are like-minded, and so I just, uh, yeah, I just don't want this to go away, and I'm just glad that you're here. So as I take a break to be with my family, family, I would love for you to just go back and just Go back to the lessons that we put. So there's a lot of curriculum. There's a lot of coaching curriculum that I put into the podcast, and it's early. So it's like, you know, the first 20 episodes. And then you'll see series of episodes, the seven roads of investing, the mindset of an investor series. Um, we did a mastermind last year called um, Investing for Kingdom Impact. And uh, I think um, it would be... Yeah, it may be helpful to kind of catch up on some of those lessons and catch up on the conversation as you know as we move forward. We will always hit on our values um, that I mentioned earlier, and we usually stay in the lanes of cash flow and small business and real estate. As our friend Daniel Johnson says, it's the three-legged stool of investing. So, you know, the outcomes will usually stay in those lanes. The rest of the conversation is in building you up as a kingdom investor um, to, and then giving you information that may help with your margin and your brain space and your freedom. Um, how we do business is paramount, and that's what this episode is about. Um, Dave Ramsey 
um, gave an answer to to a really good question about raising rents um, on renters, even though they know they couldn't afford the new rents. And I didn't, you know, I don't agree with Dave on a lot of things. And, you know, it's not important. I'm a nobody compared to him. Um, but uh, I think it deserved bigger conversation, a greater conversation. So I asked my buddy Mike Hatch. Mike's the co-founder of Blue Collar Money. So Mike was able to spend some time on Monday and we were able to talk more about this and record. So, um, yeah, so we're going to get into that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, for listening for these past 91 episodes. This is episode 92. Um, just really grateful for your loyalty, loyalty to our family, um, to the cause, getting the word out, please give us a five-star review, uh, so we can get up in the rankings and some more people can see this podcast. And if there's any episodes in particular that are helpful to you and you want to give us a tip, we will put that tip to good use. And the information uh, is in the show notes. If you have questions that you need to get answered, uh, please contact me directly. Again, it's pw.gopal at thebluecollarmoney.com. You can just pwgopal at gmail, pwgopal at pwgopal.com. It doesn't really matter. Shoot me an email. Find me on Facebook. Just send me a message and say, this is what I want to learn. Um, can you find somebody to talk about these things, man? I would love to do that. I'd love to find a way to free you up, to get you unstuck. Um, yeah, put you in a better place. So then you can teach me, um, when I have to slow down and when I don't have the time, um, to learn and I'm moving into that season right now. So, um, yeah, really appreciate y'all. And uh, just appreciate Mike for for being willing to come in and do this. Please keep our family in your prayers. We will do the same for you. Um, The folks that have reached out and uh, told us some of their story. You are on our hearts as well. And uh, really thankful that you're in this with us. So thank you again. Love you guys. Go get them. Hey, folks, welcome back to Blue Collar Money. This is episode 92 and I'm here with my incredible friend, Mike Hash, co-founder of Blue Collar Money. And uh, we are going to be discussing a, it was actually a, a, a Twitter post that I, I saw um, maybe maybe upwards of two weeks ago. It was something that Dave Ramsey put out. And and uh, so Mike looked it up and Mike's, Mike found the, like the full, um, the full video. And so we watched it and we're just kind of sparked conversation um, about what does, um, how does the market dictate our decisions and our profit? How does generosity fit into that? Um, So Mike, welcome. Yeah, man. Good to be here. Good to be here with you again, PW. I I specifically wanted you to weigh in on this because uh, you are my biblical guru. um, (laughs) And that might be a problem. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, um, you know, the, the kingdom of God is something that we consider first, you know, and that's, right. and, and right. you're one of the only people who really, um, to me, we see, I think we see complete, almost completely eye to eye on what the kingdom involves, right? The, the redemption of all things. Yeah. Um, and so what is, what does scripture say to us about making, money decisions like at a very baseline level Hmm. that's a great question (laughs) so what does the scripture say about making money 
Um, actually, could you say that? Could you ask that one more time? Because I, I don't, I don't know if I. Yeah. What What does the scripture say to us about making money at a baseline level? Like it, we, we're okay. we're not going to go. You know, is money bad? Is money good? Right. Um, but the how is 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 really what what scripture is. Yeah. You know, there's a connotation to it. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, yeah. So we are. Um, we're, I mean, in a sense, we're responsible for being profitable and making money. I mean, that's part of what's insinuated in Genesis um, at the beginning when it says um, to be fruitful and to multiply. It doesn't just mean have kids. <laughs> it means it means uh, take the raw materials that God gave us, uh, the finite resources that we have, and use them to our best ability to produce, create, add value to others, and to profit from it. Um, to be fruitful, as we've, as you've talked about. In previous episodes you and i both that it's you you i love the statement you say it's tree fruit tree where you know tree in a sense you you take the seed uh, that god provides uh you cultivate you plant that seed you grow more trees which then produces exponentially more fruit Mm -hmm. and so in terms of money i would say that our mandate is to is to uh to make money uh to provide for our families and for others to be able to be generous with others as, as well. Yeah. And so um, in our conversations, I think we had outlined like two, uh, two different paradigms that we're going to kind of flip flop through today um, where, you know, we want to understand what the kingdom says to us about money, but then also, you know, contrast that with what does the market say to us? Now the video for, for those of you who haven't seen it, like I'll, I'll see if I can find the actual link and then, uh, put it in the show notes so you can watch it. But somebody calls into the Dave Ramsey show and asks uh, asks about um, you know is it is it is it a bad thing? Is it poor form? I, I don't know how I can't remember how they worded it, but um, to raise rents with the market, um, right. and I think maybe even knowing that their renters couldn't afford um, the raise is that is that yeah the the person who called or they didn't call and they wrote in I think the, maybe but yeah. they said they said they didn't they knew that it would cause hardship to their, to their tenants. Okay. And then what, what was, how did Dave characterize? What was his response? Yeah. It depends on which clip you saw. Yeah. (laughs) But the one that was tweeted was very matter of fact, completely market driven. I mean, they took that portion out where he said, uh, he said, look, if they can't afford, if the market prices them out of their place, then it's the market's fault. It's not yours. You're not kicking them out. Um, they need to, they need to get to a place they can afford. Yeah. And they, yeah. And I, I think he, he said, I just remember this sticking out. He said they need to move to a lesser property. Right. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. obviously the, if, if you can't afford the one you're in, you're assuming that you're going to a lower value and a lesser or smaller property. Right. Yeah. And so those things kind of stuck out to us because we're both, um, I really hate the term. We're both yeah. landlords, right? Um, what's what's is there a more modern term? It's a great landlord? question. Because think about that, landlord. Yeah, like, I know, should... I know. <laughs> you, you and, you and I, and please, my half some more. You and I were you and I, Amanda, twist and like you, me and Amanda were talking about this yesterday. We talked about the um, uh, Downton Abbey. And how much we've loved that show. And when you yeah. say landlord now, that gives a whole new meaning after yeah, watching. Yeah, it. the Lord. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, obviously we're not at that level, but <laughs> no, no, but we still have, we have to consider these things because we're, I'm in that boat right now. Can you uh, maybe real estate investor? Is that better? I don't know. Um, yeah, but we could be commercial. I don't know. We want to split hairs, but okay. Yeah. We're residential real estate owners. Um, yes. and we do rent to people. That's, that's the long way of saying landlord. Yes. I don't think we're going to get around it. Um, yeah. So uh, there's, there's a, there's three things that we had talked about. So for everyone, um, we, we recorded this episode and I screwed up my microphone. And so the volumes were totally off. So Mike and I are taking a second shot at this. Um, and what's funny is we got to spend the day together yesterday. We, he, Mike came to town to, to see our family visit with Caroline. We're, we're actually heading to the hospital in a few hours. Um, Caroline has a procedure tomorrow that we're going to it, it kind of marks out the next few years for us. Um, so it's kind of a big deal. And so Mike wanted to stop in and because Caroline loves Mike, they've spent time together when we've been recording over the last year and a half and Caroline would always jump in. So he's watched her grow up and they're, they're buddies. Um, so we spent the day together yesterday and, uh, you know, and, and our conversation really did, it focused a lot around, um, just the kingdom of God and what is required from the church in this particular setting mm. um, relationship is one of those things that, that rent turns into mm. and service is another piece that comes into what rent turns into and also value. And we can make the list longer, but if we just stay there um, I don't know that we're going to get an answer to, is it bad to raise people's rents? But I think it really turns into how, how, how mm -hmm. we, how we interact with those renters because they're they're people like we are we are a person in their life and as people that that in some small way manage the kingdom um and and watch the kingdom manifest it's really important that you get this right that that folks that are um receiving rent for value um really care about how how that transaction comes about because if it's just strictly you know contractual I think we're missing some opportunities, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. now you, you have a renter for your house in, um, in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and you guys are huge fans of her. So can you talk about that relationship? Oh yeah. We love her. Um, so <clears throat> she's a single mom with, uh, four kids. One of them has uh, special needs and, um, she, she's just, she's super sweet. She's, um, it helps that she really loves the house that speaks to our heart, of course. And we love that we are able to provide a place for her that, that she loves and fits so well with her kids. Um, she's very responsible. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, no, it's, it's been a great relationship and she, she likes it so much that she'd like to buy the house. And so she told, even when she, she started renting, she said, man, I'd really love to buy the house. And we just weren't there yet. We needed to, we had just, put the house on the market to rent and we wanted to learn, play that out. And, uh, and she was fine with that, but, um, but she's told us a couple more times, Hey, I'd love to buy it. And so hmm. we're about to enter into agreement here. What well, actually in the next few days, actually, um, where she will, the rent that she will be paying will be going toward a down payment to ultimately buy the house, uh, by the fall is the hope. Um, 
And we had a conversation about what that price would be. And that's tricky because you're looking at the market currently, but you've got to, you know, to some extent, anticipate what the market will be later. And so we factored in, we, we knew what well, we're trying to keep real estate agents out of it. So we subtracted that cost. Um, there were some other factors we brought into it, but we did not want to make this, um, how do I say this? We, we didn't want to take advantage of her, you know? Um, and we wanted it to talk about a fair price. Um, we have margin to some extent. And so we don't have to, to maximize our profits on it necessarily. And yeah, we want to serve and love her in this way. And so, um, so we came up with a, with a decent price um, for a house that we're both agreed on. It was funny when we said the price, what was really reassuring is she said almost immediately, as soon as we said, uh, she said, that's exactly what I was thinking. And we were like, oh. perfect. That's great. Oh my gosh. So we really feel like God's been in it. Hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we could have, we could say, no, like we want to put on the market and we want to see if we can get the price bid up, you know, and make a huge profit on it. And you're just going to have to be one of the people who bids on it. Hmm. No, because we've, we're foregoing that because we have this relationship with her. We love her. We love her family. And um, yeah, and we want her to have the house, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we might be, you know, who knows? It might be 10,000, 5,000, something like that, that we might be missing out on potentially, but it doesn't matter to us. Now, if, if, if we were to consider that the, um, this is just my opinion. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. It probably means very little at this point. Um, if, my, my assumption is the market is going to stay um, pretty crazy for the next decade. The stock market is going to be up and down. People are going to get pushed into the commodities market. And the easiest one is real estate. I think real estate prices are going to stay high. Um, so if I think about the decision you're making right now, and I'm just talking about numbers, uh, you could do a lot better putting mm -hmm. it into the feeding frenzy. That is the market. Right. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, there, and there's, but you're, you're walking into a season of tension where money's going to get more expensive. And so there, there aren't going to be as many people that are going to be able to afford the loans for a higher price product. Yeah. Um, but you know, there will be a smaller amount of people that, that are going to be able to afford those loans, or they're going to be able to, you know, use family money or money that they've saved to put down larger down payments, right. To buy down there. Yeah. And so the other, the other part though, that I would add to that is that, um, right now we're dealing with inflation, you know, um, consumer the beginning of inflation. inflation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, we, we've, that's a good we point. have yet to, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. but housing prices have been inflating for a while now. And so knowing that, um, and you can, I'll, I'll just say it. And then you let me know PW if, you, if I should explain any further, but sure. knowing the reason for inflation and, and the rate, the housing prices going up has some very corrupt, a, a very corrupt foundation to it because of our corrupt monetary system. I think it even more behooves us as Christians not to fall prey to the greed that results in that because because as you know when when prices of assets like that like homes start going up like crazy 
and, and people, they get dollar signs in their eyes. Um, and I, I just don't think we need, we should not be now again, that's, that's the market quote unquote, the market, if you will. But right. when you look at the reasons for why the market is affecting that way, it's, it's being manipulated. Yeah. And you and I have talked about that before. So but, you got to watch to not to let the market completely dictate your decisions. Yeah. Um, and, because it's, it's from a corrupt foundation. And I, I want to piggyback that because what I'm, what I'm trying to explain is that the, um, the reason I think the prices are going to stay high is not the reason that people think it's going to stay high. Like people, the, the folks that I've talked to about real estate, you know, say the market's going to stay hot mm-hmm. and that the connotation for me is that they're thinking that, that, the, that the majority of people, right. Or the, or the median median majority of people are still mm-hmm. going to be able to afford certain things. And so that's like a, a, a large group of people going after a small number of, mm. of products. I don't think that's the case. I think that money's going to get more expensive because the feds are going to have to raise the rates and we're going to start to see um, the money that's on the sidelines enter the market and mm. now compete with people. Like you've taken, you've taken the stack of chips from the people that couldn't afford to lose it. And now the big stack of chips is coming into play with the, you know, what, whatever the class of folks is above the median, you know, mm-hmm. the upper middle class, like those folks are still going to be able to afford certain things. But when smart money comes in, when institutional money comes in, when the money that's on the sidelines now comes into play, um, I think those are going to be driving prices up. So now you're going to see even more manipulation and bullying. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, that makes what I'm trying to like portray is a really unpredictable market. You're not talking about everyday average people playing. Mm-hmm. You're talking about sharks playing. So um, you, I think we're going to have to be really careful about what we get into, how we get into it. Um, that's, so that's the backdrop. In the foreground, um, you have a choice and neither one is more correct, but I think we have to, we have to pick one or two or both. Generosity should be included in, in, in the transaction itself. Hmm. And, and whether it's just you more spending more time with the people that are involved in these transactions, um, whether it's like Mike did, like actually taking money off the table. Right. So you're making it in that situation, he's making a choice between like, you know, the physical currency that he's going to get versus, you know, the paying into God's economy and, and letting God make the difference up because yeah, Right. So we can deal with it in a secular yeah. way and, and consider that the money that's on the table is the only money that exists. Well, that's not true. If you're a follower mm-hmm. of Jesus, the cattle on a thousand hills is the other side of the coin. And mm-hmm. if you want to enter that world, and I'm not saying it's like God is a slot machine, but if you decide to, to take money off the table to be generous, it, it will, it does pay it forward, but, but, but God will release, um, he will release more to you because you've proven yourself worthy. And I'm not saying that you're more righteous than the person that keeps the money on the table, makes the transaction, gets the profits, and then is generous after the fact, right? So you've already, we've talked right. about planned plan generosity. That's the mm-hmm. second half. If you've already have your, your, the money, like we like to give money to young life. If I, if I already have, if I have to keep a transaction, a transaction, keep the money on the table, finish the transaction, pull it out, and then give it to Young Life, that's my choice. What, mm-hmm. I'm, what we're finding is um, that 
believers aren't considering either option and they're a lot of times opting for neither. Yeah. Right. There, there, yeah. There's, um, hmm. There's a, uh, a guy that I interviewed on the, when I was doing the radio show, he's the president of a trucking company. And he said something really, really interesting to me. He's, he said, uh, he said, basically profit or making money, um, is a byproduct of relationships is what he put is what he said. Um, and I, I think that's, that's true. And then on the other side of the coin, another guy who I know who, um, who, uh, is kind of a missionary basically to those who are, who are in a poor area in Pittsburgh, he said, poverty isn't a lack of, um, of money or resources. It's a lack of relationships. Um, that's what he's finding with, with people who are, who are in poverty. And so my, I guess my point in saying all that is, you know, these, these, um, uh, markets we enter into agreements, we enter into investments, we, we engage in, they have to do with people. And, And if you remove, I think a lot of times what we do in our minds is we remove people from the equation. <laughs> you know, we think completely just my, you know, from how much money am I going to make in this deal? What's the, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and that's it. Yeah. Well, and especially in this season where the markets are manipulated, inflation is out of control. It's very tempting for greed to take over um, because you, you know, you, you need, what's, what's the word you need, you need to get what's yours, you know? Yeah. That, that can be the mentality, but we can't forget that. No, this is, this is more than it's about relationships that that's, that's, that reflects God's kingdom. And you wrote a course called redemptive economics. And in that course, you talk about the, you know, kind of the macro paradigms, Hmm. right? So what are the paradigms that, that help us to operate? And one of them is out of, um, it's not a poverty mindset, but how did you phrase it? Oh, scarcity or an abundance mindset. Yeah. So one, one is that God is in charge, that God provides that, you know, right. that we are a conduit or a storehouse, correct? Right. Yeah. yeah and it, yeah, it, it's, it starts from the bottom and I don't have it in front of me, I'm, but I mostly remember it, but it starts you know, from the bottom of the foundation is who do you say that God is? If you trust God and you think he's good, then that leads to an abundance mentality mm-hmm. uh, with generosity being your, your way of, of life and, and, and interacting with money and investments and things like that. Um, and you have a production mindset where you want to add value to others as a result. If you don't trust God, you don't think he's good. That leads to scarcity because God's holding out on you and you've got to find out a different way to get what you need. Um, and then speculation is, is your, is your key to, you don't care as much about producing. It's more about speculation and greed drives you. So, but it all starts with who do you believe God is? And as you insinuated, if God is who God is, then he is the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he's, he owns everything. And not only that, if you're his child, he's working in and through you on your behalf in, in anything you put your mind to. Psalm 112, um, I think it's verse five, I think it says, and I, I used to say this all the time, but good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his business affairs with justice. Mm-hmm. And I would say that when you 
are interacting in, in, in a market that's manipulated and inflation is in full effect, if you are not just acting out of purely letting the market drive you, but when you're entering into, you know, or you're making decisions based on relationships and, and, and the love of God, uh, what he provided for you in Christ is, is that is the, is the way you interact with others. If that plays into your decision-making, then, then you're, I believe you're doing, um, you're doing it in a kingdom minded way, but if you're letting the market drive you, it's purely, it's purely greed. It's purely sin. It's purely selfish. Um, I, does that make sense? Kind yeah. of the dichotomy yeah. there. Okay. 100%. I feel like I lost my train of thought there for a minute, but no, okay. no, I'm with you. Um, I want to talk about, um, something that Jimmy song brought up to us, uh, rent seeking versus arbitrage. Yeah. And, um, but I, because I know I'm going to lose my train of thought, I want to bring this statement up. Um, if you, if you hear nothing this entire episode, I want us, to, I want us as a blue collar money family to, um, to conduct ourselves thinking, does this move, does this decision or series of decisions, does this contract, does it move the kingdom forward? You know, we, I used to think, and many mm -hmm. times I have to catch myself and I've tried to set myself up in such a way that other people are like, Hey man, you know, have, have you considered this? Um, I used to consider just the numbers and I would chase the numbers. And if the numbers started to drop, I'd freak out and I'd tighten the purse strings because I've realized that I was getting comfort out of the numbers staying above a certain level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because that, that number was the entry fee into a new life, a new mm -hmm. thing. You know, especially when I was trading futures, every wow. every gig yeah. that I got, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, was another uh, to buy a an oil contract, um, or just an S and P contract. I had to have five hundred bucks um, in margin in my account. Mm -hmm. So every gig was two to three contracts, and I was like, "Well, I want to trade thirty to forty contracts, so I need to get that number up." And every time the number dropped, I saw my future die. Like, interesting it literally wow. was the, it, it was gross and so your 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 future was kind of dependent in your mind on that 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 level of of money you had accumulated yeah, or lost we're all like this we're all like this like we we see freedom in a thing mm -hmm. or a stage of life you know it once i get to this place <sighs> once my retirement gets to this number then i'll truly be a free happy be like I'll, the weight will come off my mind and you know and yeah. and what it's not true the more right. people i talk to you know the dozens of millionaires i've interviewed um it's not true yeah you know, the, the, <laughs> the it's not at all i mean and and if you if you're looking at some of the research that really lands around that seventy-five thousand dollar mark you know the people that make that walk home with 75 grand are the happiest people um yeah. because they have the the you know, the least amount of stuff that causes stress and, but they have enough to get by. Right. Right. And but, plus in, in God's economy, he, if he's working on your behalf, he's doing things you can't. So, so he's at work in, yeah. in ways you can't see and don't understand yet. So you, you're not sure what, what, what new opportunities may come your way that, that uh, because you lost this opportunity, there might be another opportunity, or maybe God is is redirecting you in some ways. You you don't yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
And because we lost audio on this episode, I went and recorded a different one that was that was aired last week about the difference between radical and reasonable. And and that's that's kind of what I'm pointing at is like some of those opportunities, you know, when we let reasonable things go, when we let the numbers kind of take second second place, we can't let them go completely because that'd be you'd be right. a horrible steward. Right. Um we really do move into that that, that role of steward, right? We because yep. we God wants to reveal, he wants his his heavenly kingdom to break in. And when we're sitting there with open arms and open ears, right, a meditative and prayerful mm -hmm. life and considering mm -hmm. everything before him, we do move into this kind of radical space where he may have you do reasonable things. And, or, you know, there, there are many times where he's like, okay, this is reasonable, but now I'm going to have you do this mm -hmm. because I'm going to get to show off. Like mm. he, he is going to get to show off. Yeah. And so you'll have to move into that space and it will look, it will look unreasonable. It won't look great on paper. Yeah. Um, but that's it'll be, it'll be what, to live in. Yeah. It'll be what scripture says is foolishness to the world. Yeah. Um, but his wisdom to, is God's wisdom. And, you know, Adam had to name everything in the garden. So it's, it's, we know that it's important that you know, we know what our constellation is. Like we know all the moving parts. We named it. We know how they work together. Mm. We're not talking about throwing those things out the window. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in the transaction, there's so much room for God to work. And I think we just need to leave that space. And if money has to, if money has to go into somebody else's pocket so God can move in their life, let it happen. If money has to stay with you so it can finish the transaction, go into your bank account and then do good, let it happen. But, but make sure that yeah. it's all under his authority. Um, to Jimmy Song's point, we are going to see more of this. And so just be on the lookout. Um, once institutional money, smart money, money on the sidelines, however you want to look at it, there are three different people, personalities. When that money enters the game, um, that money will insert itself between a buyer and a seller. And, and you'll see hoarding and you'll see gouging and you'll see quote unquote rent seeking. So they're not going to offer any value to buyer or the seller. They just got to the product first and are going to make both parties yeah. pay for it. And, and I know people who are kind of moving into that space and are getting ready for it because they've got tons of money on the sideline. And I just want to caution us and say, you can't afford three or four houses. You can't afford 10 houses. You can't afford 15 houses. When you decide to sell it to the people that you want to sell it to, is it going to move the kingdom forward? Hmm. Because you can and will be able to gouge people. You mm. will be able to get top dollar because, because <clears throat> you have the big stack of chips and you can dictate the contract. It is a, it, yeah. Once you have mm. the big stack of chips, it's, you're in a leveraged relationship. You get to leverage, you get to lord over people. And, yep. you know, and we're going to see that in home goods. I already, I already see, I see it in home goods all the time. Like guys, uh, it started off with, with memes, right? Here's a piece of plywood and a, and a, and a five gallons of diesel. And it's on Facebook for $5,000. And as a joke, <laughs> right. and everybody laughs at it. But then there's the guy who, you know, found the deal, you know, at mm. whatever auction site, and then puts it on Facebook for double, triple the amount of, of what Lowe's is selling it at, but Lowe's doesn't have the product. Yeah. 
right? So right. rent seeking. Now, some people consider that an arbitrage. Um, yeah. But just make sure that you're right before God when you get into these transactions. Home goods, you're going to see it in houses. You're mm. definitely going to see it in cars. I'm telling you, if you think mm. that cars are going to go down in price in the next five to eight years, you're crazy. Mm. Like we haven't seen, you know, I, I had the opportunity because a guy paid for me to go to these banking conferences a couple of years ago. And they're special assets conferences, which means that it's all the banks that hold bad notes, which is almost every bank represented. And they have a department that holds bad notes. They sell the bad notes to each other. They raise the rates. They do all kinds of stuff. Hmm. Um, they sell them off. They sell the underlying assets. But they will tell you, if you go sit in one of these conferences, what, who is over leveraged mm-hmm. and who is going to fail and then how to protect yourself as a bank from those people. Um, hmm. And it was fun. Funny, like 29 out of 30 panelists at one conference said recession, strong, strap in, get your vendors in line, meaning like get, find a way to get rid of these assets. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the other things that they talked about was like the trucking industry was completely over leveraged. And, and we haven't seen the fallout from that. Like we haven't seen guys yet default on their, on their rigs. And yeah. we're going to. And so when that happens, that is a major part of the, the mm-hmm. supply chain and mm-hmm. supply chain. We're already seeing it in home goods. Mm-hmm. We're definitely seeing it in cars for a different reason. Like cars, you know, these small microchips aren't being able to be made. Yeah. And so new cars are slowing down. Used car prices are going up because there's few, you know, I have friends that are that are getting calls from the dealer they bought their cars from saying, Hey, will you come sell your car back to us? We'll give you what you paid for it after three or four years of use, because they're going (laughs) to then mark it up another 20% Mm -hmm. and sell it to some other person. And yeah, it's crazy right now. Yeah. The other, the other piece to this, I just want to add in as you're talking, this came to my mind is, you know, if you are leveraged yourself, it's, it's going to be hard to be generous. And, right. and this, these are times that are, that are beginning, they're going to expose that, unfortunately. So if, if, we were, if we were tight financially and we desperately needed, and we were just making it with, with the rent that we were getting from our tenant, for example, uh, every time we would raise rent, it would feel like, oh, okay, we have a little more breathing room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so we're almost, we would be in a place of more survival mode, you know, than we would be having the freedom to no, we're, we're good. Like this is yeah. like, we have margin and thankfully because we have margin, we can be generous, you know? Um, and, uh, and so just something to think about if, if you are in debt, if you're struggling, look, this is where it really impacts relationships and how you, you're able to, um, to participate in the kingdom of God through, uh, through the marketplace. Yeah. And, I want to add to that just on a personal note, like we, we, um, we rented at market rate to our, our friends that live next door to us. Um, we haven't changed their rent in four years. That's, that's a personal decision. That's on us. Um, we are a family that was out of debt when we bought this property. Um, I mean, we didn't, we had the note on the property, but, um, but now we're dealing with, you know, pretty significant medical debt. And it, at sometimes it just feels pretty soul crushing. Yeah. It's for us, just, just for us. I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody who's raising their rents, but 
Mm. We're still not raising our renters rent. Mm. It's a separate story. Yeah. I don't, I can't stand it when people make their problems, my problems, <laughs> you know, unless, unless they fit under the category of loyalty, there are certain people where like, like I'm loyal to you forever. Your problem is my problem. Um, but outside of those concentric circles, when you, when you get farther out, when somebody takes their bad decisions and makes it part of my world, that irritates me. My situation doesn't dictate their situation. Mm. I don't raise their rent because I'm now dealing with a higher bill that has nothing to do with them. It's not their fault. Mm -hmm. I, I want them to save money for a house and to own their own property. Like I told them that when they first start renting from us. Now, whether they do save the money and do good things with it, that's not my problem. Hmm. That's that's completely their business. But you know, one when you start to get when the leverage that you have starts to lean in on you and you feel the pressure, you're gonna lean in on everybody else that's quote unquote below you. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be the case. Like think right. about it ahead of time. Tighten your purse strings now, make provisions for that because life's going to get hard for those folks that quote unquote need to go to a lesser property. Um, and yep. here's a fun, here's a fun thought. Maybe you are a landlord that has tons of margin. Go build a smaller property. That's just as nice hmm. for folks that have to downsize. Hmm. If you got the means, go do it. If you're bored, if you're not, think of it, think of it as discipleship. Like <laughs> I love put it, it in yes. some category that it just works for you. That's but great. That that could be a great opportunity if we know that folks are going to struggle, you know, with mm. that fifteen hundred dollars a month, that twelve hundred dollars a month, and they need to be in a thousand dollar month. Then then go mm. build them something nice, you know. That's awesome, man. I love that. Yep. Um, the other we you and I talked about a Luke sixteen before uh, before we recorded too. I just wanted to bring that up. That it's uh, it's the parable of the shrewd manager. And uh, so just to summarize, I won't read through the whole thing, but basically the, the, the manager uh, was in charge of his master's estate and billing and all that kind of stuff. And, and he was taking advantage of people, profiting himself as a result of, of that. And then his, uh, his, his master realized what he was doing and said, you're fired, basically. And, uh, and said, you know, you're, you're going to be relieved of your duty. And before the manager um, left officially, he went to all of those debtors, cut deals with them, um, you know, eased the the burden on them. Mm. Uh, and most theologians would would say it's probably because again he was he was skimming off the top, which made it more expensive. So he had margin to be able to give back in order to uh, gain approval from these people and have some place to go and work. Uh, with people after he lost his job, basically. And the master told, um, it said the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Um, he's obviously telling the parable. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And so, um, and then he goes on to say, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So the idea is we've been entrusted with a certain amount. Are we going to live within our means? Are we going to provide margin and, and enter into agreements with others that are, uh, that honor God, that are generous, um, that reflect 
the gospel and our relationships with them? Um, if so, it, it, it's so much, there's an eternal ripple effect mm. to that. Um, we make those decisions in this life, but there will be eternal consequences, um, whether someone actually comes to faith or whether we just reflect um, the gospel and who God is to others and they, and he gets the glory. And then, and then eventually, you know, that, that translates to either reward in heaven or, um, people who are added to, uh, the, the number who are being saved in, in the kingdom of God and yeah. in ending up in heaven. So just a passage of scripture there to kind of inform us on this whole thing as well. Amen. Yeah, I think it would be, it's helpful it's it's fruitful um, for us to consider that the asset is the relationship. You know, it's not it's not just the we don't own properties. Um, you know, just for the cash, just to build the entry fee into the next life lifestyle mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. That whatever relationship God brings to your world along the way is as valuable as the relationships that exist in the next phase. Hmm. You know, like the people that are renting from you now hmm. are just as valuable as the people that are going to rent the bigger properties from you later. Um, it's still, the, the weight is still on you to be a good steward. Hmm. And, and so I, we just want you to consider as we leave uh, today, like, mm -hmm. are your decisions moving the kingdom forward? Um, take it to God, let him speak to you, test it with scripture. Um, Mike, I just want to thank you for, for mm. being here. Well, being here this weekend, spending time with my family for loving on my family so well. Thank you for weighing in on this. Um, yeah. really grateful for you. Really great to be with you, man. Again. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to more opportunities to talk like this when we get the opportunity. Man, we're going to, we're going to take advantage of it. Um, mm. yeah, love it. Well, folks, thank you guys for listening in. Um, just really appreciate you and how, how much, how hard you've been working. I've been hearing from some of you and, and, um, just your stories are so valuable and, and, uh, especially, um, some of the hardships that are happening right now, just know that you're being prayed for, um, and, and that you are also inspiring our family. I'm going to try and relay some of the stories. Um, but I'm, I'm holding on to them right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, in a, but it's, it's really inspiring me, um, to sit before the Lord and just to, to consider my decision. So thank you guys for weighing in, um, get, get your knees on the ground, put your blood, sweat, and tears in the dirt, um, and get busy and, um, yeah, love you guys. Go get them. Friends, you've been listening to blue collar money theories of middle-class investing, don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming content. We very much appreciate you taking the time to join us. Please let us know if there's anything we can do to help you live out your best financial story.